Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for downloading episode 159. Today we are talking about a Beatles song called Glass Onion. Some of you know it, some of you might not. Uh, It was released November 22nd, 1968 on the White Album. It's the third track on the album between John's masterpiece, Dear Prudence, and Paul's Obladi Oblada. Uh, And it's an interesting song because the lyrics are intentionally stupid or gibberish or whatever. John was so tired of people overanalyzing his music and finding meaning that wasn't there or misinterpreting the meaning or, you know, something that he would throw away, like I'm the walrus, which he was writing um, completely stoned. Uh, People finding all this meaning in there and putting new intention into his work. So he wrote this song with the intent of confusing those people. Um, and it's kind of a dig at those critics who were doing this. Elton John would do this later with his song Solar Prestige Agamon. And as nonsensical as it is, if I recall correctly, um, some people still found it anti-Semitic. So even with words like uh, we have in Glass Onion, there are still going to be people who find intention and totally miss the meaning of the song entirely. And that's kind of the funny part is that, you know, where I am, the walrus had no real meaning or intent at all. Um, that the lyrics were, um, just random lines that, that sounded good together. Uh, glass onion actually is filled with intention. If you think about it. And yet that intention is not like, uh, it's not apparent just based on the song itself. The intention is through the backstory, much like Silly Love Songs has an intention that is quite contrary to the um, surface value that Paul puts on the song. If you know the backstory, it's a very different song. And I think it's the same with this one. Um, Interesting, this track name checks several other Beatles songs, uh, including a couple of Paul's. It was not exclusively John's. And there are two tracks, Savoy Truffle. A George song also name checks one of Paul's songs. Um, so it's kind of weird how all of a sudden with the White Album, they're they're becoming self-referential. Recording for this song began on September 11th, 1968, at a session that lasted for from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Um, in all, they did 34 takes. Take number 15 was a six-minute jam, but most of them... Um, were about the the running time that we have here. And then take 33 was the eventual basis um, that the track was overdubbed on and everything like that. So 34 takes, take 33 marked best. The track clocks in at 2 minutes and 17 seconds. Um, and the, But the band stops playing at, at a minute 50, and most of the takes of the 34 that were done clock in at around a minute and 50 seconds. Um, and then at that point on the final recording, George Martin's orchestrations take over. And I was thinking about it when I was researching this this track. And maybe we will come up with the answer 
as we keep digging into this catalog in future podcast episodes. But I can't think of another song where the band, nobody in the band is playing for a full 30 consecutive seconds of the piece. Like even stuff where there were orchestral breaks, you'd have Ringo providing a backbeat. You know, like A Day in the Life's got these big orchestral swells and everything that lasts for a while, but Ringo's playing drums on it. Um, or there's bass parts or something. There's always something else going on. I can't think of another place in the Beatles catalog where 30 complete, full, consecutive seconds of music don't even feature the band. Um, so that brings up the the running time, about two two seventeen. If you can think of one, let me know. Um, the next day, September 12th, John added um, his vocals, and there was some tambourine added, probably by Ringo. And then the next day, they added a second drum track and some piano. And that was Friday. You jump ahead to Monday the 16th, and one of the guys in the band decides they should add some recorder to the song, right as John references The Fool on the Hill, because in The Fool on the Hill, there is recorder being played throughout the song. It's kind of a focal point of the song. So they decide that during when he actually references the song Fool on the Hill, that they will um, do a little nod musically by adding that recorder. So before the sessions, um, this was this session was mostly for the song I Will. Um, before those sessions ended, they threw the tapes on and recorded the recorder part. And then on September 26th, um, so we're talking like a week and a half later, John added a sound collage to the end of the track. And it's a, it's not one of his most inspired sound collages. And it can be heard on Anthology 3 if you want to go listen to it. Um, but when George Martin suggested strings, these were these sound effects were thrown away. And rightfully so. Because I think John was a little bit too into sound collages at this point and had things gone another way. Right, had things not panned out the way they did, we could have ended up with a white album that had Glass Onion that ended with a sound collage, Revolution One that ends with a sound collage, What's the New Mary Jane that ends with a sound collage, and Revolution Nine, which is a sound collage. Um, which probably also would have stretched the white album onto a triple disc and uh, been one of the most annoying listens in the Beatles catalog. There would have been so much fast-forwarding. Final strings for the song were recorded on October 10th, five weeks prior to release. So they are down to the wire, um, and only five weeks prior to the release of this album, they're putting on the final touches still. The same musicians that perform on the track Piggies also do um, the strings for Glass Onion. That was, those were both done in the same session. Um, harmonically, the chords are interesting, but never really establish a set key. So the first chord is an A minor, and then it goes immediately into an F7. So there's really not a strong resolution that says, this is our key. Um, and I think that's boosted by Martin's string arrangement, because the strings do a lot of like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, a lot of chromatic movement between chords. And I think it adds to this ambiguity of what key are we even in, um, because there's a lot of notes being flown in from other keys. The songs that are referenced during this track, Strawberry Fields, I Am the Walrus, Lady Madonna, Fool on the Hill, Fixing a Hole. Um, a lot of those from the Magical Mystery Tour. Strawberry Fields and Fixing it was recorded for S- Sgt. Pepper. 
Fixing a hole was on Sergeant Pepper, Lady Madonna being a single, but Strawberry Fields, Walrus, and Fool on the Hill all ended up on the Magical Mystery Tour album. Um, and it's a, I think it's a one, two, one, two, one, two, three. It's actually not an even mix. Uh, Strawberry Fields, I'm the Walrus are John songs. Lady Madonna, Fool on the Hill are Paul songs. Fixing a hole, you could say, is a true Lennon and McCartney song. So I guess it is an even mix. So it's not just all John referring to John. And he also, in his I'm the Walrus thing, um, says the walrus was Paul. Which we all know he took back when he did the song God. When he says that he was the walrus. Quite the stuff. I always like this song. It's a good little rocker. Um, It sounds great on the 2018 remix of the album i think those opening drum hits sound amazing and you know it's it is what it is this is meant to be an album song this was never going to be a single or anything and if you listen to it in context of the white album i really like this song it's got some cool stuff it's got some cool sounds we it's a it's a a song that doesn't really have a parallel in the beatles catalog and i think for as many songs as they put out to have a a song like this that doesn't have like a companion piece in terms of sound or vibe or anything like that is pretty remarkable. Anyway, you can go ahead and listen to it. Um, Make sure you swing by iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review. You can join our new Facebook page, facebook.com slash groups slash kinks and beats. And you can call me at 925-494-1739. If you can think of a song that has more than 30 seconds of consecutive non-Beatles playing on it, um, remind me what it is, 925-494-1739. And of course, swingbyherohabit.com for all the information you need about this podcast. All right. Um, as you can hear, probably in the in the background here, um, the 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 newest addition to the Kinks and Beats family has been born and is crying in the next room. So I'm going to go take care of that. And uh, I will talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.